Welcome, code aficionados and digital daredevils, to a podcast that's about to dive deep into the fascinating world of WebAssembly. WebAssembly, or WASM for the initiated, is revolutionizing modern engineering, pushing the boundaries of what developers can do. It's like a secret portal connecting your code to the digital cosmos. On this show, F5's Joel Moses, Oscar Spencer, and Matthew Akabuchi will be your guides to this virtual dimension, decoding the mysteries and unveiling the endless possibilities. So strap in for a bite-sized adventure as we take off with WebAssembly Unleashed. Hey, thank you, Tabitha, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Wasm Unleashed, your source for news and views about the world of WebAssembly. I'm your host today, Joel Moses, and I'm pleased to welcome you to our inaugural episode. I'm especially pleased to welcome my co-hosts, Matt Yakabuchi and Oscar Spencer, who aren't just WebAssembly fans, they're actually inside the community pushing it forward. They're also a lot of fun to hang out with, and you're going to find that out. We get to introductions in a moment, but first, I'd like to preview what we're planning for some future episodes. Now, we, we were always planning to talk about what's happening in the community that's notable or exciting, and we'll provide some perspectives on what proposals, changes, or updates mean to the WASM standard. And by perspective, I mean some unvarnished and unpolished opinions. But along the way, we plan to invite in some special guests who are doing noteworthy things in the community, uh, perhaps make some time for special episodes where we do crazy stuff like exploring the intersection of WASM with pop culture, talking with industry luminaries about, about why some past bytecode runtimes run actually failed to take hold and why that is, and examining how uh, WASM is actually helping us recover and restore the early days of the World, world Wide Web. Now, we were launching just as the state of WebAssembly survey results have hit the street, and boy, there's a lot to unpack there. But as this is episode number one, before we get to all of that, let's get to know Matt and Oscar a little bit. Uh, Matt, let the folks know what you're doing in the WASM community and why WASM interests you. Uh, thanks, Joel. Yeah, my name is Matt Yakabuchi. Uh, I'm very interested in, in the WebAssembly community because of the plugin, the power of plugins that it's going to bring to the bring to the market. For instance, let's take a look at Go. Go is a great language, but it's statically compiled. Everything is built into the binary in order to bring in uh, third-party dependencies, or I mean, not third-party dependencies, but third-party code, extensions, extensibility. WebAssembly starts to make a lot of sense from a security perspective. Also from just you know, being able to update the runtime or update the execution, uh, you know, dynamically during during execution, it's 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 pretty exciting. So, I'm excited to look at the plugins, uh, the plugin model, the component model. I'm excited to think about a new way of thinking about the operating system, new abstractions, different abstractions that could free us up from some of the from some of the baggage of the past. So. Just focusing on emerging technologies and seeing how they, they can work for F5 great. and the rest of the community. Well, that's a great segue to Oscar, who I know has come straight through the idea of, uh, of creating plugins with WebAssembly and uh, joins us from uh, the, the, the suborbital organization. Uh, Oscar, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in the WASM game for some time now. It's uh, been a wild, wild ride just seeing how the ecosystem has shaped up. Um, but I got into WebAssembly in about 2017. Uh, I'm one of the creators of the Grain Programming Language, uh, which is a programming language that targets WebAssembly as its only oh, yeah. target. Uh, so 
uh, it's been a lot of fun just, you know, doing that. So being a compiler nerd, uh, feel free to reach out to me anytime if you want to nerd out about <laughs> compilers yeah. or, or about really low-level WebAssembly. Uh, but outside of that, uh, getting used WebAssembly at work. Um, so at Suborbital, I was the director of engineering. Uh, and so really thinking through how we can use WebAssembly on the server side. How can we push WebAssembly to the edge? Literally. Right. Um, so right. been in the space for, for quite a while and, and excited to continue all that work moving forward. Well, that's great. And, and uh, you mentioned Grain, and I'm sure that's going to be an episode unto itself yeah, coming in the future. Uh, but let's, uh, let's get right to uh, the WebAssembly, uh, the state of WebAssembly survey. This is a survey by Scott Logic. Uh, for the past couple of years, it's actually kind of formed the core of, of what the community is kind of thinking in general. Um, as as uh, both of you have read through, I'm assuming both of you have read through it, um, uh, as both of you have read through the report, what jumped out at you as the most significant result? Uh, I think it's I think it's the, the adoption of languages, the, the serverless and the plugin language support. Of course, Rust is uh, the highest desired and the most used language for, for a couple reasons we can go back to, but Wasm Time is written in Rust. Uh, Rust has a has a, a intersecting community with with WebAssembly. But seeing Zig, which is a new language but has targeted WebAssembly almost from the beginning, uh, Swift support uh, it's now uh, on the uh, you know growing support. Uh, and then also what proposals are people really thinking about? There are two very mature proposals that, that are desired threads. That's going to start giving us concurrency. That's going to start giving us uh, perhaps, you know, avenues into async garbage collection, which is, which is also necessary. But mm -hmm. then, uh, but then you see third, third most interesting is, uh, is, is interested in is component model. Um, and that's where we're going to start seeing plug, you know, plugability or being able to be, you pass around these byte codes and then link them and then to start sharing them. Yeah, language support is interesting. And, and Oscar, I kind of want to ask you this one because I've seen some reporting on, on this externally, uh, which suggests, for example, that Rust has won out WebAssembly. Mm -hmm. uh, which, which is not what I think those graphs in the report actually indicate what's happening. I mean, as I look at it, Swift actually had the biggest mindshare increase comparatively to Rust. I mean, Rust climbed, but it didn't to the degree that Swift did. Um, what do you think is correct? Is Rust really sucking up all the air out of the room for WASM? I think that's a fabulous question. Uh, in some ways, the answer is absolutely yes. And in some ways, no. Um, so uh, the, the big way to look at it, right, is Rust has been this premier language for WebAssembly. You know, Rust has been the go-to. If you look at all the different tooling and even some of the most popular runtimes, they're all written in Rust. It just makes it so dang easy to be a WebAssembly developer if you're targeting Rust. Because um, all the crates are there, everything you need to do anything with WebAssembly is readily available. You know, when you say, you know what, actually, I want to start this project and I want to write it and go, uh, there's a couple of hoops you got to jump through to, you know, make that work. So, you know, Rust is, you know, and it's a phenomenal language. People like writing Rust, so it makes a lot of sense. It's phenomenal to see increases in language like uh, and like Swift to see, hey, actually, they've been putting a bunch of effort into Wasm support and Swift, and people want yeah. to write Swift. Uh, and so it's great to see that mindshare increase. And it's 
also, and this is another um, interesting point, to see the number of people using AssemblyScript has gone down quite a bit. And, you know, there's that. there's some reasons for that. But in, additionally, part of that is just, hey, uh, other tool chains are getting more mature, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where it used to be the case, oh, man, I just I, I just need to write this WebAssembly that does this thing. And AssemblyScript really let you just write the thing to do the mm -hmm. thing. And now it's mm -hmm. a lot easier to say, actually, I can just spit out you know, a Rust module to do that. Or even now I can right. spit out a Go module to, to do this thing, right? So I think it's it's definitely interesting to to look at. But I wouldn't say, you know, Rust has completely won out. And there's a whole, um, there's a whole special interest group on just support in uh, different right. languages, right? So people are do you thinking... Think, all of this yeah do you think rust maybe just uh, is the first mover and that's why they they retain the top slot yeah you i could, think so you could certainly think that yeah 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 i mean I, now, I think so this is where like the the tool chains were the most advanced but to underscore what oscar was saying is as the tool chains advance for instance uh golang is natively supporting uh wasm targets now zig right. is is supporting wasm targets Componentize Python, Jco—they're all—they're um, all advancing together. Right. Did it surprise you to see uh, Python climbing in, in in interest? Not at all. Um, <laughs> it's so one of the things that Suborbital, um, you know, we took code from our customers and compiled it all to WebAssembly. So naturally, you know, we supported Rust and, and languages like that that easily could compile to WebAssembly. But number one and number two asks for languages were JavaScript and Python. And so especially when you see projects like PyScript uh, that came out uh, that said, hey, actually, let's make it super easy for you to just go do WebAssembly stuff um, like in Python and to see like, okay, now we can actually start compiling Python code to standalone WebAssembly modules and doing it that way too. Uh, it just makes sense. Developers love these languages. Yeah. And if you can make them work in WebAssembly, they absolutely will use them. Uh, you know, one of the critiques that I've read of the survey is that it seems to uh, express the interest of the enthusiast community more than it does the enterprise community. Uh, do you think that's the case? Do you think perhaps, uh, you know, Rust wins out because enthusiasts use Rust, but but everybody else in the enterprise world demands, like you said, JavaScript and uh, uh, and, and Python? I think uh, the first half of that is at least certainly true, right? Uh, I think the people who get the survey and do the survey are the enthusiasts. People are super hype about using okay. WebAssembly and, and, and doing that, right? Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of that. So, you know, uh, the survey is very useful to look at, but I think we can also take it with a grain of salt that it's just the view of, you know, some collection of people. Once WebAssembly gets more popular, so every year as the survey comes out, going to start seeing more people using it in, in enterprise because you can ask yourself, you know, how many people do you know in the enterprise who are actually using WebAssembly? I might happen to know a not a lot, but that's sort of right. just because of, you know, the job, right? Um, so we'll have to keep looking uh, as things continue to progress. Matt, do you think that's the case as well? Well, yeah, we might, we might be seeing, uh, you know, responder bias, right? We're, we're at the order of, of hundreds of respondents. And so the most excited are the ones that, that will, you know, tend to shift the, shift the results. Um, but it's also, it's, all, it's, it's also hard to say without seeing the, the source of the data. For instance, right. there are a lot of enterprise companies that are taking you know, exploring WebAssembly quite significantly. For instance, you'll see in the report, uh, one of the examples that they use is Microsoft. Microsoft Flight Sim is, is now supporting WebAssembly modules. So this is, uh, a, you know, another intersection of the gaming community, uh, emerging technology, but but an enterprise software company that's... Yeah. That's 
Well, actually, the report did cite that as a, an interesting example, the Microsoft Flight uh, Simulator example, uh, as an interesting example of an application plugin rendered in WebAssembly. Uh, and the survey covered WebAssembly use cases, and of course, the usuals were still on top, web application development and serverless. But um, I, I was actually surprised that application plugins were uh, were ranked uh, even higher. Uh, I think in the first in the first survey, they didn't even register. Uh, in the in the past two years, it looks like uh, people are much much more interested in crafting uh, plugin architectures with WebAssembly. Uh, why do you think that is, Oscar? Oh, I'm, it, it's pretty simple to me. It's that everyone has seen WebAssembly come out as a technology and say, "Oh man, this technology is cool." Um, but you know, what can I do? And I think a lot of the industry, especially if you look at you know startups, you know early on, they were focused on greenfield development, you know, building brand new applications and, yeah. and whatnot. But really, the case is like actually, you know, developers have apps um, that already exist and they want to put WebAssembly in it. Um, and the first thing that comes to mind is, hey, this is a secure sandbox. <laughs> I can just execute, you know, whatever I want. Uh, so in that case, why not just do, you know, uh, if this, then that <laughs> just in my app, right? Just let people write code that does whatever they want inside of my app, right? So it's it's very clear that that's an, an easy winner here. And I think over time, we'll start to see more people doing greenfield development, you know, building apps purely out of WebAssembly. But right now, just taking advantage of the sandbox, hey, that makes a lot of sense to me. Right. All right, Matt, uh, what do you think about the, uh, the, the plug-in comments Oscar made? Yeah, yeah, I'd like to agree and underscore. Let's think about, um, or let's talk about the properties that WebAssembly gives you. It's sandboxed. Therefore, you know, uh, the, the memory is, is segmented away from the, the host. We have hardware portability. We have software portability or language portability. Uh, and the reason we, oh, and also uh, very compact bytecode that's easy to pass around. Uh, reason we have these properties is because WebAssembly was born from the browser use cases, really like the, the, the ultimate plugin system. Right. The browser is always downloading insecure code or unknown code, and there's multiple ways to extend the browser. I think what you're seeing is maturing pipelines, maturing tool chains, and then an understanding of the use cases that WebAssembly gives you on the server side. And therefore, plugins are a very natural fit. It also frees you up from some of the bindings that the that host languages can give you. I, I talked about how it's how Go plugin systems are somewhat constrained. And all of a sudden, when you look at WebAssembly, you're like, well, I, I, I can have it all now. I, I can still have my host in Go, but then have okay. these dynamic systems underneath. Now, you mentioned the word maturity. Uh, and I, I thought one of the more interesting things uh, in the results were the level, and I, I mean the high level of dissatisfaction and impatience with WASI. Uh, that that jumped out at me as something fairly important. Uh, I know the the community has been struggling with the pace of WASI. It's actually caused forks in the community. Uh, what, what do you, what do you what do you think is behind that, Oscar? What do you think? Yeah, it's just that the stuff takes a while. Um, I think uh, one thing that people don't think about very much is the fact that WebAssembly is definitely a cross-industry initiative, right? It's not just one organization saying, hey, you know, this is the way it is. It's not like, um, you know, early days of the Go programming language where Google said, hey, yeah, this is the language, here you go. 
and and that's it, right? You know, so we have to have consensus uh, amongst a lot of different organizations and people who want to see this all succeed, right? Um, and the thing is, is we can't get it wrong. It's so incredibly difficult to go back and, and change standards after the fact, right? Um, so it takes a lot of work. Um, and and the other thing too, right, is it's, it's hard to prioritize within an organization, right? Um, so if your company is not sponsoring you to go forth and, you know, work on standards, uh, then you're doing it in your own free time, right? You know, I, I look at, you know, work that I've done on certain standards that wasn't necessarily related to my job, right? That's just on my free time, right? Just saying, oh, right. yeah, I feel like doing this, even though this is something that could potentially benefit the entire industry, right? Um, mm -hmm. So it's just that these things uh, take time. People need to get involved and we need to put more resources in. It's as simple as that. And you're not going to get standards to advance any more quickly by just complaining and, and not actually being willing to go in and put in the work. I think this survey did come out just prior to the release of WASI Preview 2 as well. So uh, do you think that uh, the drop of Preview 2 is going to to, uh, to make the community happy about the pace of WASI? Or are we still going to see some uh, some people forking? Uh, is WASI Preview 2 officially out yet? <laughs> well, well, it is, it's, it's no. very close. It's, it's very close. Uh, it I, has the know, word Preview it's... right in there, Oscar. I mean, come on. Number two, yeah. Um, I think yeah. it has to help satisfy some of the enthusiasm around around WASI and, and WebAssembly. Go ahead, Oscar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, it certainly helps. Right. People see that things are happening. Uh, people see that progress is being made. And I think that's, you know, the big stuff um, like people want to see. Like, I, I think the thing is, especially around like WASI in particular, uh, a lot of people just want to port old apps and make them work um, inside of right. WebAssembly. Um, and so Preview 2 gets you a lot, you know, further the way there. You don't have, you know, Fork <laughs> or like some of the other systems. <laughs> that oh, what, what do you need that for? I mean, yeah, come yeah, on. Yeah, don't need it, right? Um, so you don't have like some of those syscalls, right? But like, you know, it, it is advancing. It's getting a little further. Um, and I think especially we have to put ourselves in the shoes of like some people um, who are building startups uh, right now based around WebAssembly as a core technology. Uh, and it's tough, right? If your business depends on these standards and being able to, you know, build applications and build features to ship to customers and the standards aren't progressing and, you know, your runway is, you know, over at the end of the year, you've got a big problem and I'd be pretty upset too. So, you know, I definitely understand uh, a lot of folks, you know, frustration around things. Um, you know, I also understand uh, some of the the biggest companies that are working on standards uh, and whatnot have much longer timelines, right? Where it says like, oh man, you know, we would love to be able to do X uh, by 2037 or, you know, insert whatever <laughs> year here, right? Um, so it's a lot easier for for these bigger companies to take their time and, and make things happen. So that's about as fast paced as building public transit here in Seattle. <laughs> 2037. Uh, Matt, uh, one of the uh, interesting things I saw in, in there is the the uh, WebAssembly adoption. Uh, Forty one percent of respondents said they were using WebAssembly in production environments. Uh, do you, is that a high number or do you consider that a low number? Hmm. You know, I, good question. Good question. I, I personally, I think it's. I think it's high. I. I think it's a surprising and a positive number, but I do think it's. I do think it's a little. A little high for where the. Where the. You know where we are, as, especially on on server side. I would also like to think um, or to see, like, what number of respondents are using it in the browser or using it client side uh, versus versus server side. I would I would expect client side is 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 the majority of that 41 percent. 
Yeah, yeah that doesn't to, come through clearly in the numbers. That's true. Yeah, and to piggyback on that as well, I think as we were saying earlier, uh, I think a lot of the survey respondents are enthusiasts, um, and I imagine the enthusiasts are using WebAssembly in production. Um, sure, I think that's just the case. Now they uh, they covered off what the biggest needs are for WebAssembly, and of course, WASI is up there pretty high, uh, number one with a bullet. Uh, but better debugging support is up there. Is something that uh, WebAssembly desperately needs. Do you agree with that, Oscar? Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's it's something that I think people don't feel is really happening right now. Like you don't really see very many proposals that are they're saying, oh, you know debugging story proposal right it's mostly like oh yeah cool threads and gc oh, yeah. stack switching you know all these other things right yeah it's, um, it's not the sexy part is it it's not the sexy part unfortunately um and i think it is something that's incredibly important especially you know as a language author who's building for WebAssembly, i want people to be able to debug their code and not come dm me personally <laughs> to figure out what's going you oh, know yeah. on with the programs right um, so I think we, we do have to take it more seriously. And I've talked to some, some folks in the community about this and, and folks' thoughts. And the main answer I get from people right now is <laughs> we're trying to get WASI Preview 2 out. We're trying to get <laughs> WASI Preview 3 out. Uh, we're trying to ship some of these things. And then we're going to like, you know, then when people are using the stuff and seriously complaining, oh, man, I can't debug this, then we're going to go ahead and, and, and really you know, put our thinking caps on and make something happen, uh, which is fair. Um, I couldn't, you know, respond to that and be like, oh, no, we have to care about it right now. I'm like, yeah, no, let's get it working. <laughs> like that, that totally makes sense to me. Right. Well, I, Matt, is it important for, for WASI to get and, and WebAssembly in general to get critical mass before it focuses on things that are uh, developer assist tools like debugging and, and uh, better integration with browser APIs, things like that? You know, I think I think that's that's the case in a in a we've seen trends like this before. Uh, you know, going back to Golang, um, Golang released a pretty solid tool chain compiler and language without a debugger because there were other ways to get around it, um, and it, and it can be a pretty difficult problem. Um, you know, so it took the community to find a need to then build Delve, which is now a, a very accomplished debugger. At, at first, you'd have to go through GDB and look at the VM to kind of discern what, what your Go program was doing, right? Like people want features. People want features. They want things to solve their use case. And then they realize that things break and debugging often comes second. But it's, it's going to be something that the community needs to solve as more and more is more and more modules and components are developed and then linked together. We're going to have more and more emergent properties and, and more and more need to do debugging. That's why another thing that jumped out at me was observability wasn't as observability and telemetry wasn't as high in the desired uh, rankings as I thought it would be. I think you'll start seeing, I predict, 2024, <laughs> that uh, something like observability or built-in telemetry, uh, OTEL, for instance, um, is going to be uh, is going to be a lot higher on that list. Hmm. Now, uh, on number six in that list, it still gets into the top six. Uh, is something that I think um, is is uh, related to community building, and it was a stronger and more inclusive community. Uh, to the question to the both of you, what what do you think uh, enthusiasts and and uh, and people who are working in this field can do to create a stronger and more inclusive community? What does that mean? 
Yeah, I think the and this is something I hear from folks all the time because there are many, many people who want to get involved and contribute. Um, but they say, actually, it's just very difficult to understand every, one everything that's going on. And, and two, when you do understand what's you know going on, how to actually get in and contribute uh, just because there's not a ton of documentation of things that are going on. Right. Um, and I find, you know, for myself, um, it's like one, yeah, I, I know some things, but a lot of the time when I need to understand something, I'm going and reading source code. Right. Um, and that's not super accessible to a lot of people because uh, sometimes that's just not people's preferred style of learning. Uh, and sometimes it's a matter of what source code should you even be looking at to understand the problem, you know, that you're trying to tackle. Um, and so I think the biggest thing is documentation and just getting the information out there so folks understand. And there are some efforts around that right now, but we all have to do, you know, better about it and, and just content creation, right? Even yeah. stuff like this is even helpful just to help people yeah. understand what's going on. I'd like, to, I'd like to put a positive spin on it, though. Um, you know, it's engineers doing engineering, right? And so some 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 things are, you know, fall off, fall off the, the tail end. Uh, I know when I first started trying to attend meetings, it was a little bit difficult to find out the exact meeting you wanted to go to. Sometimes you had to ask someone uh, and they pointed you to someone and then you got an invite. We can definitely improve on that. I think it needs a good, um, you know, core, you know, collated SIG structure and, and good processes around that. Uh, but like the positive spin, engineers doing engineering and, and there's a lot of great work going on under, under the hood here. All right. Well, time is ticking down, but I want to make uh, uh, give you guys uh, each a chance to surface something maybe we weren't able to talk about. Uh, Oscar, you got anything before we go? Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that I'm excited by is that, you know, the survey uh, just keeps increasing every year. All right. Uh, it's getting more reach. Bigger and bigger. Uh, bigger and bigger. It's getting more reach. More people are interested. And, and that's the thing that I care about the most right now is that the fact that folks are getting interested. Uh, just that alone means we're going to get more eyes on it. We're going to get more development, more people willing to work on proposals, willing to work on the specs. So when folks are complaining, oh, it's not moving fast enough. Well, you know, people might just more folks. There's that that one random developer out there who's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go <laughs> let me write this thing. Right. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, so I'm just excited to see how large the space is growing. And I hope it continues to you know grow as, as big as it can. I really think uh, this can revolutionize the way that we do software development. Um, and that's not just me drinking the Kool-Aid. It is so good. Yeah. It is, <laughs> well, maybe a little bit. Uh, just just a little bit. But I, I really do think that, you know, there's a real opportunity here. So to see it continue to grow just gets me more excited every day. That's great. Matt, closing thoughts? Yeah, I just want to talk about how, uh, you know, community events are, are continuing to grow. We had our first Linux Foundation WasmCon. Uh, there's WASM.io, uh, and then there's WASM Days that uh, that that uh, is compacted along with uh, KubeCon or CNCFCon. I think is the is the right way to term it these days. So uh, get involved, look around for meetups and, and conferences because they're 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 on the rise. Great, I'm marking my calendar already. And just to piggyback off of that, I'm just going to give a shout out to check out your local communities. There often is. Yeah. A, a local community meetup. Uh, in fact, um, so I live in Austin, Texas, and tonight is the uh, weekly Austin WebAssembly meetup, um, which I have to head to and be slightly late because of the podcast today. Uh, but All seriously, right. uh, just you know, check out your local communities. 
you'd be shocked at how many cities have a WebAssembly meetup. Um, and so just go get involved, chat with folks. It's, it's an absolute blast. All right. That's great. Thanks, Oscar. Thanks, Matt. Uh, just a reminder, it's a big application world out there, and it's time for us to unleash the power and promise of WebAssembly. So for Oscar, Matt, and myself, thank you for listening in. Be sure to subscribe for future WASM news and views. Take care. That's a wrap for our WebAssembly adventure, fellow code explorers. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, may WASM be with you.